0: start our time together. Thank you, Pastor Tim. And man, welcome to those of you who are here in house. Welcome to those of you who are watching online. My name is Chris, one of the pastors here. And uh, man, it's a big weekend, isn't it? We got, it's like a two-holiday weekend, right? Valentine's Day. How many of you are excited for Valentine's Day? Okay, one, just like the first service. Yeah, I don't I, don't, I mean, it is kind of one of those things. But it's also Super Bowl weekend, right? Bengals, Rams. How many of you are going for the Bengals? Raise your hand. I think that was my wife. How many of you are going for the Rams? How many of you just don't care? Okay. Watching it for the commercials, I get it. You know, we never know who's gonna win, but here's one thing that you can bet on is that either the Bengals will win, or the Rams will win. So you can take that one to the bank. I'm sorry, it might be too, old, too early for dad jokes. That's all I got, though, for you. So, anyway, welcome today. Uh, man, we are in week two of a new series called Does the Church Care? And the reason why we are doing this series is because you look around the world, and on top of the everyday things that we all have going on, uh, especially these last two years, things have just been crazy. I mean, the fear, and the isolation, and the anxiety, and the the health issues, and the job problems, and money problems, and housing problems, and I mean, you name it, and and there's something that's keeping us up at night. In fact, the majority of us have probably something going on right now that your life just feels a little upside down. There's lots of pain going on around us. And so that's why we, we thought, man, we need to stop and take a few weeks and look at what does real care look like? What does care from the church look like in a world that is, that is hurting so badly? And so last week we started off this series by looking at the idea of suffering. We had the goal of what is a biblical lens, what is a, a healthy way to view our suffering. That too often we look at our pain and our suffering as, as, uh, as just something to be avoided, something to try to, to, to run away from, that, that it's just sort of a hang-up. But, but really what we see is that in our pain and in our suffering that, that God wants to do something in us. No matter what it is, no matter if you stubbed your toe or you lost a loved one or anything in between, that God is working in our pain in incredible ways. And, and we look at this quote from Judith Haugen that says... This, our painful moments can become a crucible through which Christ in us is formed. Rather than evidence of a failed relationship with God, pain can deepen relationship by revealing God from new angles. That God is working in our pain. If you missed last week, I'd encourage you to go back on our archives and and take a look at that. The rest of the series, we're gonna be looking at this idea of comfort. Today, that's what we're gonna be looking at, that the Bible has a lot to say about comfort. Uh, in week three, we're gonna be looking at your part. We're gonna get real practical next week and, and look at what, is it, what does it mean for us to care well for people around us who are hurting, who are suffering, who are going through incredible pain in life. How do we do that? And then finally, on the fourth week, we're gonna look at this idea of healing and deliverance, which admittedly, for some of us, that might sound a little spooky, like a little out there, right? But, but here's the thing is that our God is a God who heals And our God is a God who delivers. And so what does it look like that that God is healing and delivering his people? That's what we're gonna wrap up the series with. And the big idea of this whole series is this, is that the church should be the most caring group of people on the planet. That if you are a follower of Christ, that as you follow him, that we as followers of Christ should be the most caring group of people on the planet. And so this weekend, as we look at the idea of comfort, um, I'm going to start off by acknowledging that the word comfort can, can be applied to a lot of different things in life. I mean, you think of, first of all, I think of physical comfort. Like for me, if the room is too hot or too cold, like it just screws me up. Right? Anybody with me? When, when my air conditioning dies in the middle of summer, like I'm just a grumpy, hot old man, right? And and I and it just doesn't work for me. My physical comfort's important. In fact, just this week on Tuesday, uh, Tuesday evening, I was uh, working out, and and my back. Have you ever had this happen? My back decided that it hated me, and just decided to tighten up all all across. The, my lower back. And so I was in bed all day Wednesday. I was in bed most of the day Thursday. I couldn't function. My pain was just, and, and I got to be honest, because my temptation at the beginning was just to, to view it like I normally view pain, which is, man, I just got to fix this. I just got to get rid of it. I just got to avoid it somehow. I just got to get past this so I can get back on to the things that God is wanting me to do. And then I, and then I it was like the Holy Spirit whispered to me, Chris, do you remember what you talked about last week? that in our pain and suffering that, that, that I want to do something in your life. And so that's been my prayer lately is, God, what is it that you're wanting me to do? <laughs> like this pain is so frustrating. It, it, I, I can't function right. What is it that you want to do in my life? God, I want that. I say yes to that. And so I tell you this, uh, not because I want you to Email me all of your suggestions about your favorite chiropractor or your favorite uh, pain cream or stretches or any of that. Please don't do that. I, I, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm set up with the right people. Uh, but I also tell you that because if you're wondering, why does Chris look a little crooked today? Or why is he a little stiff today? That's why, right? And also maybe that you can be praying for me as I navigate all of uh, th- that comes with that. But yeah, physical comfort is a big deal to us, isn't it? Uh, comfort food. Two words for you. Crumble cookie. I mean, whose evil plan was it to come up with crumble cookie? Uh, not just physical comfort, right? The cars we buy, the, the, the clothes we wear, our, our, the beds we sleep in, the furniture that we buy. In fact, a friend of mine, uh, he has one test when he goes to buy furniture, when he and his wife go to buy a couch, and it's called the flop test. That they'll walk into the showroom of furniture, they'll go up to a couch, and they'll flop on it, and it'll either pass or fail the flop test. And you know right away if it passes or fails, right? You just want to flop on the couch and instantly be comfortable. And if not, it doesn't pass the flop test, and you move on to the next one. But it's not just the the physical comfort that we're looking for. It's the emotional comfort too, right? It's it's those relationships that just aren't really working. It's that general sense of well-being that hasn't, been the case for a while. It's it's looking at your bank account and wondering uh, if the money's going to last the month. You see, it's it's the emotional comfort, it's the spiritual comfort. God, are are we good? God, have you ever wondered that? God, God, are we good? Are are you close? Am I am I on the right track? Am I am I in the right spot? God, I don't feel like we're we're good. You see, what we're talking about today is what happens when. It doesn't pass the flop test. What happens when something's going on in your world and it, and it doesn't pass the flop test? Like, there's not enough money. Your closest relationship is, is crumbling right in front of your eyes. The plans that you've been working on for years or maybe even decades are just sort of falling apart and, and there you are stuck, and, 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 and to call it uncomfortable is just an understatement, isn't it? I mean, it's excruciating, it's painful. You see, when it comes to pain, it's a huge motivator. Isn't it? It's a huge motivator. Nothing motivates you like pain. And and here's one of the most important questions you can ask yourself when you're going through a season of pain, of difficulty, is this, is where do you go with your pain? Where do you go? If it's motivating you, where is it that you go with your pain? And I want you to answer this in your head honestly. Think about it for real, where do you go? Not where should I go? Not where do I want to go or, or, where, or where God thinks I should go, but where do you go with your pain? Peggy Renoso, in the book The Kingdom Life, she says it this way. Suffering is a powerful force drawing forth our deepest emotions and desires. We cannot be neutral in the midst of anguish. Pain drives us to run either to God or away from Him. Our response to Him in the midst of suffering determines whether we will mature and grow through our trials or withdraw from God and turn inward, becoming bitter and self-protective. So where do you go with your pain? Does that resonate with you? Do you find yourself turning inward, burying it, trying to ignore it? Maybe you medicate your pain? Does it build up so much that eventually it spills out onto the people closest to you, your family, your coworkers, your spouse, your kids? Take it out on them. Where do you go with your pain? And some of you are right there right now, and and you're stuck in your pain, and you're not sure where to go with it. And so what I want to do is I want to pray for us. Before we dive into the Scripture today, uh, I want to pray for us. And so would you pray with me, God? God, We come to you today and we we thank you for your goodness. God, for your trustworthiness. God, for your faithfulness. And Lord, for those of us who are listening right now who are in a season of, of unbearable pain, whether it's physical pain, emotional pain, spiritual pain, whatever it might be, God, we ask that you would meet us where we're at. Lord, and that you would Breathe new life into us. God, that as we seek comfort, that we would find comfort in you. So, Father, we thank you for it. We pray that you would bless our time. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Every week throughout the course of the series, we are in the same part of 2 Corinthians. We're going to be in chapter 1. We're going to read through these verses every week, and I would encourage you, uh, if you haven't yet, to read these between weekends, that if you're, especially if you're going through a season of pain right now, to, to get these words into your mind, into your hearts, maybe even memorize them, because I think God has something for you in these short eight verses that he wants to speak to us, all right? And so what I'm going to do is read this, and what I want you to do as I read this is I want you to count for me. How many times does Paul use the word comfort, all right? Count, how many times Paul uses the word comfort? All right, verse three. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ... We share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. For we do not want you to be ignorant, brothers, of the affliction that we experience in Asia, For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. You also must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. All right, so did you, did you count for me? How many times did he say the word comfort or a word like comfort? Yeah, 10, 10 times in a matter of four verses. Now, just a, a tip, if you ever come across four verses that have the same word 10 times in it, you gotta pay attention because uh, there's something there that, that he is wanting to get across to us. You see, this text is oftentimes referred to as the comfort chapter by scholars, because he uses the word so much. And here's the thing about comfort, is that deep inside every human being that's ever lived, there's a a need for comfort. Now, you can call it security. You can call it protection. Whatever it is you want to call it, there's a need. It's not just a desire. But every single one of us have the need for comfort, and that was a God-given need. That's how he created us. He created us to want Comfort. But the problem is this is that the problem is, is that we chase comfort in so many things that end up leaving us hurting even more. So many things that actually look real. So many things that promise that they will comfort us, but then in the end, they don't. And so that's what we're going to spend the rest of our time on today is this is, is looking at the two types of comfort. Two types of comfort. It's a God given need, it's really out there. God is the God of all comfort. So, what is, what is the kind of comfort that we should be seeking? The first kind of comfort we're gonna look at is, is what we're calling counterfeit comfort. And like anything that's counterfeit, it's really tricky to tell what is real. It's tricky to tell what kind of comfort is real because it looks really good and it actually feels really good in the moment. You see, the comfort that is uh, counterfeit, uh, it, it, it speaks to that deep down need in your soul and it promises it promises that, we'll, that it will be able to fulfill that need for security and comfort. So the question is, is well then how do we tell if something is counterfeit? I've heard it said before that uh, employees who are trained to look for counterfeit dollar bills, uh, 20s, 50s, 100s, or whatever it is, that what they do is they spend their time studying the authentic ones. They spend their time really getting to know intimately the authentic money that's right in front of them so that when a counterfeit one comes along, they'll be able to spot it, no problem. And it's the same thing when it comes to uh, counterfeit comfort is that the more we get to experience authentic comfort, which we're gonna talk about in just a few minutes, the more we'll be able to point out uh, the counterfeit comfort that comes our way. But here's a few things you can look for when it comes to counterfeit comfort. Um, Do they offer a quick fix? Counterfeit comforts usually offer a quick fix. Like, hey, this is what you're hurting with. This is what's going on in you. This is what you need. Here is the answer. Come and, and do this. Take this thing, whatever it is, and it will fix your problems. You see, they overpromise and they underdeliver every time. And it actually keeps you coming back for more. Counterfeit comfort looks like escape. Now, some of these escapes might seem innocent, like shopping or hobbies or work or just vegging out in your man cave. And some of these escapes might be more serious, like jumping into a rebound relationship because of the comfort that it might offer, diving into the bottle and drinking a lot of alcohol, watching pornography. You see, we can get super controlling when we're trying to to be comforted. Maybe for you, maybe that escape looks like just becoming a, a ruthless taskmaster, master, and, and, you, and you fill up your to-do list with all these things, and you think, man, if I can get more stuff done, then I'm going to feel comfortable. But you know what happens with all of these counterfeit comforts is that it becomes an addictive cycle for us. Because in the beginning, it, it feels great. It seems like it's meeting a need, and eventually, it, it, it goes away, and you're like, oh my gosh, I need more of that. In fact, if, if you talk to anybody who's been through uh, work and recovery, that they've been through addiction and, 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 and have done some of the hard work that comes to recovering from addiction, most, if not all, people who ended up getting addicted to some substance or something, that in the beginning it was to help cover up some sort of pain. In the beginning, it was a search for comfort. In the beginning, it was their answer to meeting this God-given need for comfort and security. You see, this is why the question, where do you go with your pain, is so important to us. It's so important because it has huge effects on our life. Where we go with our pain, where we allow our pain to drive us, has huge, sometimes irreversible, effects on our life. Robia Scott says it this way, we have exchanged our future and our peace for temporary relief and fleeting counterfeit comfort. We hate ourselves for it, but we can't seem to break free. You see, this is what counterfeit comfort does to us. It hooks us and it brings us in. It's sort of like taking Advil for a brain tumor. It might cover up a little bit of the symptoms But really what's going on is so much deeper than that. You see, counterfeit comfort, when we identify it, we need to reject it. We need to run away from it. We need to say, no, 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 no. And we need to head toward authentic comfort. Let's look at what authentic comfort means. In order for us to understand what authentic comfort means, we have to go back several years before Paul wrote this letter. We go back to when Jesus was walking around on this earth and he had his disciples with him. And one night toward the end of his ministry, before he died, he's sitting with his disciples and and he's letting them know, hey, I'm leaving you. I'm gonna be killed and it's gonna be a terrible death. And then after that, I'm going to be resurrected, but I'm, I'm leaving, I'm not gonna be here anymore. And as you can imagine, this created some incredible fear And anxiety within his disciples, like, wait, this is the guy that we've been following for a few years. This is the guy that we have given up everything for, and now he's leaving us. And this is what Jesus says to them in their moments of fear. He says this, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. And notice the word helper is capitalized. To be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, and get this, for he dwells with you and he will be in you. You see, what Jesus is talking about here, the word that he uses for helper is this Greek word, and every now and then, uh, it's kind of fun to geek out a little bit on Greek words. We lose a tiny bit of some richness and some meaning when it comes to our English translation, but the, the Greek word that Jesus uses here uh, is this word parakletos, parakletos, and it, stand, it means the, the, the helper, the helper, the comforter, the, the advocate, the encourager. And when he uses this word, and the reason why he capitalized it is because Jesus was talking about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God. Now, for those of you who aren't familiar, the Holy Spirit is one of the three persons of the Trinity. You see, we worship a God that is triune, the Godhead, made up of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. All of them together make up God. They are distinct and they're different, but they are all three what make up the triune God. And here what Jesus is talking about is he's saying, hey, look, the Holy Spirit is going to come. And he uses two important prepositions. He says, not only is he going to be with you, but he is actually going to be in you. The word that Paul uses that we just counted 10 times is the word parakaleo, which means to draw one side to draw to one side to draw near to comfort to encourage it's the same root word as Jesus used to talk about the holy spirit you see what paul's talking about here is the comfort of god is the holy spirit in us that's what authentic comfort is it's god companioning us in our pain i mean what better gift is that Sure, we'd love for God to hit the easy button and just make our pain go away. We'd love for God to just, you know, correct things and and get everything all straight for us and and have no problems and no pain and have just kind of an easy life. But he says, no, 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 I'm actually going to do better than that. I'm going to companion you in your pain. I'm going to be with you and I'm going to be in you in your pain. And and I want to say this again because my fear is that we're going to kind of let this go over our heads. I mean, just think about it for a moment. That the God who created you, the God that is immeasurable, the God whose love that we'll we'll never actually fully understand his love, the God who's more powerful than, than anything we could ever imagine, that he's with you that he's in you, that in the middle of the ashes of your life, that he's right there with you, in the middle of your fear, in the middle of your anxiety, in the middle of your distress, in the middle of your pain, all that's going on, in the middle of your suffering, God is right there next to you and in you. And here's the thing, here's the crazy thing, is that he is faithful even when we're not faithful. That even when I'm trying to get away from him, he's, he's still there. Even when I go down a road that that has nothing to do with him and and I indulge in in my counterfeit comforts and, and my selfishness and whatever it might be, guess what? God is there even when everybody else is gone. He is there. He is with you and he is in you. Now, here's the thing is that some of you might know this. Like, you know this, you've, you've been around church world for a long time, maybe you were in Sunday school as a kid and you learned songs about this and maybe you even memorized verses about this. Maybe you even have some fancy words like omnipresent and you know this. I mean, you can, you can explain it to anybody, but do you, do you know this? You see, this is what the crucible is. This is the crucible of our pain. That in pain, our head knowledge is forged into our experiential knowledge. And it's in our pain that this truth of God's omnipresence begins to be true in our experience. That our understanding and our experiences are now in the same page. You see, this is a chance for our faith to be tested because maybe you're thinking, I don't have the faith because God doesn't, it doesn't feel like he's here. I mean, I've, I've experienced God before. I've had really amazing times with God before, but, but in this pain and in this season, I don't feel like he's here. I feel like he's just forgotten about me. Like he's just skipped town. Like what did I do wrong? What did I do that God would just leave me alone? And sometimes for us it's a, it's a matter of preaching the word to ourselves. Have You ever done that? Preaching the word to your soul, going no soul, I'm not alone. The God of all creation, the God of all comfort is with me. And in me. And maybe this is where a Stephen minister might actually be helpful to you. Someone to come alongside you and remind you of this truth. I'm going to talk about Stephen ministry every week over the course of this series because I believe in it that much. That if you are going through a season of pain and you need someone to walk alongside you through that season of pain, not to fix you, not to give you advice, but just to simply be by your side and remind you of God's presence in your life, then maybe you should take on a Stephen minister. You see, the greatest gift that God can give us in our pain is not that he would come in and just push the easy button, but the greatest gift that he can give us in our pain is himself. The very presence of God. I remember when this truth became real for me, when it became experiential and not just head knowledge, it was right after Renee and I were married, and, and I've told this story before. But a month after, she was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, and this kind of threw our whole world upside down and navigating this whole new thing. And shortly after that, I remember at one, one night, she had a low blood sugar that, that triggered a, a grand mal seizure. And it was the most, I still see it. It was the most terrifying thing in my life. We took her to the hospital, and, and she was fine, and they let us go home a day or two later. And, but I was still so paralyzed with my pain. And it really felt like God had just left us. Like, what the heck? God, where are you? What's going on? And we were talking, and, and I thought, maybe I need to go talk with one of our counselors at the church. And so, so we did. I couldn't leave the house without someone else coming for my own peace of mind. I, I couldn't leave, so we asked someone to come over and stay with Renee while I left, and I went and I talked with this counselor named Ben, and, and we were sitting there, and I, I was like, Ben, I don't know what to do. Like, this is I've never had this experience where, I, where I'm weeping so much that it just sort of incapacitates me. I can't do anything, I can't go anywhere. I, I just can't stop weeping. And all he said to me was, Chris, I think that God is weeping with you. And that was it for me, that was what I needed. I needed to know that God was with me, that he was closer than my skin, that he wasn't far away, that he wasn't callous, that he didn't forget, that he wasn't ignoring, but that he was involved. You see, and when we trust that God is with us in our pain, we can actually fully embrace our pain. And when we can fully embrace our pain, then we get to experience his comfort. And you know, the Psalms is full of verses of people fully embracing your pain. Like, God, this is the worst. God, my heart has been torn out. It's been torn to shreds. It's being trampled on in the dirt. God, I I can't do anything. And God meets you there in the middle of it. So how can it be that a holy God would be with me in my pain, would be with you in your pain. It's because that Jesus Christ suffered the ultimate suffering. And I don't mean the physical suffering. I don't mean the, the being nailed to a cross and being whipped and being... Uh, putting a crown of thorns on his head. I'm not talking about that kind of suffering. I'm talking about suffering that was even worse. You see, for the first time in all of eternity, Jesus, who represented my sin and represented your sin, hung on the cross. God the Father could not look at sin. And for the first time and for the last time in all of eternity, God the Father turned his face away from Jesus. And there was a separation So much so that Jesus cries out from the cross, God, why have you forsaken me? You see, Jesus was separated from his father so that you and I don't have to be. So that God can companion us in our pain. And some of you have yet to lean into that. Some of you, if you're honest, you look at your own life and you think, man, I'm not at peace with God. I haven't accepted him. I haven't trusted him. I don't know what it exactly means. I've been running. I've been trying really hard. I've been doing my own thing. I've really been trying to get my act together and I just continue to fall and fail. And I would say this to you, that Jesus Christ loves you more than you will ever know. He does. He loves you so much that he came to suffer alongside of us to die a horrible death, to be separated from the Father, now resurrected and with the Father so that you and I can be with him and that he can be with us. And so what I want to do is I want to say a prayer. And as I pray, I'm going to read from several different verses in the Psalms, and they're going to be on the screen, the references. If you want, you can take a picture of this, you can write these down You can go back and revisit these if you'd like. But what I want to do is I just want to pray these over you and allow the Spirit of God through His Word to revitalize our souls today. Would you close your eyes and pray with me? God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. When the cares of my heart are many, your consolations cheer my soul. Where shall I go from your spirit, or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell on the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. God, we confess to you that we need you. God, for those who are hurting beyond words, I pray that even now that your Holy Spirit who indwells them as believers or that your Holy Spirit would whisper words of life into them or that your presence would be such a comfort to them knowing that you are with us and that you will never, ever leave us. Thank you, Father, for being the God of all comfort. And for those who are here, God, that have never trusted in you, and they've been running, they've been trying, they've been striving, Lord, I pray that in this moment that they would allow their pain to turn them to you, that they would come running back to you, and that in doing so, that they would experience love and acceptance and forgiveness like never before. So, Father, we thank you for that. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time and and it maybe was your first time, your first step toward following Jesus, we'd love to talk with you. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to maybe answer questions that you have. You can text the name Jesus to the number on the screen and someone will get back in touch with you. You know, every weekend we spend time remembering the sacrifice of Christ by taking the bread and the cup. It was because God knew that there was nothing we could do to get back to him and he wanted nothing more than for us to be with him and for him to be with us. So he sent his son as a sacrifice and we remember together. in the cup. We're going to spend a few moments singing together and worshiping our great King, responding to him and his goodness. If you would like to pray with someone, there's going to be people over here under the banner that'd love to pray with you. If you are online, you can click the prayer button and someone will pray with you over that. All right, let's stand together as we sing.